book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 39. 39. We'll read the first six verses, but please keep your, your Bible open. Genesis chapter 39, reading from verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Let's just bow in a word of prayer again. Father, we thank you for our remembrance this morning again of your son as we have taken emblems. But now, Lord, we ask you, Lord, as we read your word, you would bring us back, as it were, in time and help us to live this narrative just for a few moments, Lord, to see your mighty arm made bare. Lord, that we may learn something from it and experience something and leave this place knowing that the Lord is with us as he was with Joseph. Glorify your name. Glorify your son. Father, we tell you that we love you. We worship you. And we adore you. And we ask you, Lord, now to settle us in our hearts, in your presence, in our seats. And Father, that none would be seen save Christ alone. For his glory and namesake we ask it. Amen. Verse 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Let your eye run down to the same chapter, verse 21. It says, But the Lord was with him, that is with Joseph, and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now notice this. The Lord was with Joseph in verse 2 in Potiphar's house. He was a prosperous man. In other words, he was successful. The Lord was with him. He was prosperous. He was successful. But he was a slave. But he was a servant. He was a captive still. Verse 21 says, But the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph then in prison. 
the Lord showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper. But he was still a prisoner. He was still a slave. Verse 23, the end of the chapter, says the Lord was with him again. Notice, the Lord was with Joseph and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. The Lord was with Joseph in the pit. The Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And the Lord is still with Joseph in the palace. And some skeptics, or maybe even just people who want to know why, things happen in our lives, want to know why. I find a lot of times that people who don't believe Non-believers would say, well, why would God allow this to happen at all? Why not just do things automatically? And why put Joseph through this? Why where does it have to happen? And you and I as Christians, we would say sometimes, well, Lord, why do you allow these things to happen at all? So they might say, why this or why that, why the other? We, we just don't know sometimes. But this is what we do know, that whether you're in the pit in Potiphar's house, you're in the prison or in the palace. When the Lord says he's with you, he's with you. He's with you. Here's three things that I had written down as I pondered over this. And I just got writing this, finishing it really yesterday because of the busy week I had. Yesterday sort of afternoon time I was finished. I was sitting in my study thinking and praying and, and just meditating over it. Why do these things happen and they don't just change why does God allow it to happen? And why do they continue to happen? And if you notice, notice, first of all, he's in his father Joseph's house and he's loved by his father. Then he's in a pit hated by his brethren. And then he's taken out there and sold into the Ishmaelites. And then he's sold from there into Potiphar's house and things seem to get slightly better. And then comes the downturn again. He's blamed in the wrong by Potiphar's wife who wanted him to lie with her. And she runs, or he runs and and his coat is still in her hand and, and she cries foul against Joseph and now he's arrested and he's put in prison. He must be saying, surely Lord, what sort of life of my, what sort of life of this? I thought you were with me. I thought you were for me. And now by the end of our chapter, we're looking at him, God's prospering him through it all. You see, it's how we see it, how we look at it depends on how we deal with it. We tend to look at the negative things that are happening rather than the positive and what God is maybe doing in the situation. And looking for Christ in it rather we are looking for what the devil's doing in it. What the enemy's doing in it. So here's three things as I pondered over them. Why? Why would you allow this to happen? In Joseph's story, three things that you have to notice. First of all, God had given Joseph a dream, a word that he would be raised above his brethren. Remember, he comes to, and you can read it in chapter 37, we haven't time to read it all, but he comes to his father, then he comes to his, his brethren, he says that the, the sun and the moon bowed and the 11 stars bowed down before his star, before him, and given the idea that they were going to come and bow at his feet, and they were angry at this. They already didn't like him. They hated him because his father had made him a multicolored coat. He had his tartan jacket on and, you know, and he, was, he was the favorite of Jacob. And so they, through their hate then, envied him even more and put him in a pit. 
So, but God had given Joseph a dream or a word that he would be raised above his brethren. So that's what Joseph had to hang on to. You see, if God gives you the word and God gives you the promise and God gives you the confirmation, no matter what the trip is the whole way down, no matter the road you travel and the path you walk, you have to keep going back and saying, Lord, your word told me. Your word says and your promises are still remain faithful and true. And you'll go up and you'll go down, you'll go high, you'll go low, you'll go mountain, you'll go valley. But nevertheless, the word of God will stand forever, will stay sure. The promise God gives you will never fail you. See, here's the thing we have to remember as well. And it's just a little sideline on it. Joseph had favor with his earthly father, Jacob, and he had favor with his heavenly father, Yahweh or Jehovah. And because he was a man of favor, he was a man of grace, of blessing, of unmerited favor. He was a man with promise. He was a man whom God had placed something into. And the problem is, is we, we, we are, are like Joseph in many ways, for we go to tell our brethren, what do I tell you what God's doing? And how many times have you done that with excitement and passion to have a bucket of water thrown over it? Mm, very good. And they're not catching the same fire. They're not living in the same spirit as you are. Very good. I was at a meeting and 10 souls were saved out of glory to God and it was tremendous. Yeah, yeah, very good. Be careful, brothers and sisters, because favor of the Lord is great. Anointing is precious, but it will breed or may breed hate and jealousy from others. We must be careful not to get boastful with it. I think Joseph Joseph was being a little boastful. You're going to bow down to me. Joseph had the word, and God's word would come to pass unless God executes it. It's not going to come to pass. So the idea here is, Lord, you've given me your word. I can't do this in my weakness. Look what's happened to me. I'm, in, I'm going into slavery here. I'm in a pit. I'm still in slavery in Potiphar's house. I'm still in slavery in the prison. I'm really a full freedom in the palace, but I'm still taken as one of the Egyptians now. See, God's word, God had a plan. And even the palace that Joseph found himself in was not the pinnacle of it. Joseph was there for a purpose and for a reason that Joseph couldn't understand and work out at the pit point of time, at Potiphar's point of time, in prison point of time, and even in palace point of time. Joseph was still trying to work it out. How many of us on the road are are going up and down the mountains and valleys and the highs and lows, and with our disappointments and our excitements, then suddenly it's the kick in the teeth and the hand back up again. And many of us are looking at it and saying, well, we can't see the end game here. It's like a spiral staircase, you know. You gotta take the first step and keep walking to see what's at the top. Joseph knew God must execute his own word. Joseph's a wonderful type of Christ in many ways. He's a wonderful Old Testament type of Christ. The glory of Christ would be seen through Joseph. Joseph 
was hated of his brethren. Jesus came on to his own, and his own received him not. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. There's likenesses and similarities in Joseph's life that's in Christ's life. But the glory of it was there was a plan of redemption and salvation. The glory of it is here that we will move into our next part. The second part is why does God allow this to happen? First of all, God allows these things to happen to show his glory. And secondly, the wonder of Christ, to show his wonders. Isn't that what we were told this morning? God said, talk about wonders. The wonder of Christ is in this too. The, the, the second reason that Joseph would go through all of this because he was become, I'll put it in brackets, uh, 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 he, he was to become a savior. He was to become a savior. And during the great dearth and famine that happened in Canaan land and throughout the whole region right into Egypt, Joseph was raised in order that he would be able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Long did he know the day that he, that day when he was in the prison, it was like every other prison day. And the butler forgot all about him. He interpreted his dream. And he says, remember me. And the butler forgot about him. But one day, Pharaoh comes with a dream and wants the interpretation. And the butler goes, I know a man who can interpret that dream. Joseph of the Hebrews, he interpreted my dream for me. Told me I'd come back out of the prison to be with you, Pharaoh. Pharaoh brings him, he interprets the dream. And uh, he he sees the seven lean kind and the fat kind, remember? And the the lean eat up the fat in, in order to store up. And Joseph says, there's going to be seven years of famine, seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine, he says. And, and, and so we are together into the barns, and it saved not only Egypt, but God's plan was coming to pass because we find that Jacob would have to search for corn. His sons would have to search for corn and end up in Egypt. And God knew all of this because he knew that from the line... He had promised Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, he'd be a father of many nations. And if, if he was to die, die in a famine, he wouldn't have all his sons and all their posterity. And, and from the line of Judah, we wouldn't have the Lord Jesus Christ. And from all of this, through all of this, God's bigger plan was coming to pass. And yet in it all, I can see them maybe going, oh, no, here's a famine. But I thought God was for us. I thought God was on our side. I thought God was with us. And here's a famine. Then suddenly he sends his sons out to go down and they come back and send there's corn in Egypt. There wouldn't have been corn in Egypt if God had not have put Joseph in Egypt. And if Joseph wasn't in Egypt and come through what he had come through, then the people wouldn't have been saved. Jacob Israel and his sons would not have been saved. And if he hadn't have been saved and then brought through by Moses later on and God brought them out of that, he prophesied of it and brings them into Canaan land, then we wouldn't have had the temple being built and then being destroyed and, and, and the Lord Jesus coming from it. From the tribe of Judah. God's plan was way down the line. And, and can you see them saying, but why God? How many of us have went through things and And I have, you have. There are people today struggling and going through things. And some of you are, I'm sure. And you don't understand how that happened, why that happened. And listen, why did you allow this to happen, Lord? It's the most natural human instinct to ask God why. Lord, why did this happen? Can you imagine Joseph saying, Lord, why did you let my brethren hit me? 
Lord, why did you let them put me in a pit? Why did you let my daddy think that I was dead? Lord, why did you allow them to sell me to the Ishmaelites? They're the, the, they're the, the, the generations from Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael. These Arab people, why did you allow them? Why did you sell me to the Arabs? Why did you allow them to, 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 to bring me to Potiphar? And then thinking I'm doing all right, I'm getting it a bit easier, but I'm still a slave. And they put me into prison for something I didn't do. Lord, what's all this about? The Lord says, Joseph, son, I've got a promise in you. I have a promise in you. And I will bring that word to pass. I will execute my word in you at the right time. Here we can see that Joseph was to become, as it were, a savior. Genesis 45 and 5 says, Joseph says unto them, God did send me before you to preserve life. This is to his brethren when they come down looking corn. God sent me before you to preserve life. If you flick over to Genesis chapter 50, just for a couple of verses or so. In Genesis 50, Jacob has died. Joseph is going to carry his bones out of Egypt in the Canaan land. And there's mourning. Because we're because these people were Bible patriarchs and prophets and so on, it doesn't mean to say they didn't feel or apostles. They were human. They mourned like you mourn, like I mourn. They hurt like you hurt and like I hurt. They bled like you would bleed and I would bleed. And notice what it says in Genesis chapter 50. And just let your eye run down to verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, thy father commanded before he died saying, so shall you say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto the evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, now notice this, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You meant it for evil, he says, but God meant it for good. And his will and his plan and his sovereign purpose, he says it was to save much people alive. Joseph went to the pit, to Potiphar, to prison, and now in the palace he says, God did this 
because he knew everything that would befall us. God allows things to happen. We don't know why. When the enemy comes in at times, he thinks he's in charge. But he can only be in charge as much as you allow him to be in charge. For he's not in charge. God is in charge. Your father is sovereignty. Your father alone is the sovereign God. He is in charge. And Joseph looks at his brethren. Listen, his brethren came repenting, falling before him, asking for forgiveness, and Joseph forgave. Another picture of Christ. To the sinner who will come, fall before him, repenting of their ways and their sin, and there's forgiveness. And the devil's meant it for evil, but God means it for good. That you have come now to him, and Christ says, you know, you're forgiven. And I get up, and you and I are brethren. That's what he done to his brothers. Joseph didn't deserve the treatment like Jesus never deserved it, but he took it to save many alive. Jesus went to the cross. He was nailed hand and foot. He took the whippings and the scourgings and the beatings, the mockings and the scornings. He took it all. He didn't deserve it. We deserved it. He didn't deserve it. And why did he take it? To save us from our sin and ourselves. The third reason God allowed this to happen was for the church's sake, for your sake and for mine. He did it for the nation then, the national sake. Now he's done it for the church's sake that you and I would have encouragement this morning. In other words, the first one, as we named it, was the glory of Christ. The second one was the wonder of Christ, how he forgives us even though the evil nature in us when we repent of our sin. And thirdly, we look at the sovereignty of Christ in the church. You and I can read this and see the work of God being sovereign. But even though Joseph was the last on the list according to his brethren, even though he was the last on the list according to his brethren, he was the first on the list according to God. Lord, I'm first. I'm a child of God. I'm greatly blessed. I'm deeply loved. Yep, yep. I'm your elect. I'm your chosen. Yep, yep, yep. I'm in prison. I'm in a pit. I'm a slave. You see, son, I want you to learn how to deal with a situation that you will be an overcomer. God wants you to be an overcomer. That's the problem, you see. We, we tend to not overcome, but let it overcome us. God wants us to be an overcomer even in the dark hurt of our hearts and the disappointments and disillusionments that we have at times. God says, but look, things will happen. Circumstances will come. People will fail you. They'll let you down. 
all manner of people will. Every person will at some point, place and time. He says, they will, but you need to know who I am in your storm, who I am in your situation, who I am in your pit in Potiphar's house as you're serving, who I am in your prison, and who I am still when you rise to a palace. You need to know who I am. How would we ever know who God was? How would we ever know who Christ was if God just with some sort of um, wonder just took us and lifted us from our, our pit and, and, and placed us on a mountaintop or placed us in the palace that we never, ever, ever have to face anything again. What, what sort of a, a journey, an overcoming life would that be? You see, we, every vessel that's anointed, that's favored, must be tried and tested. You know, people say, Lord, increase my faith. Okay. He says, okay. But what he does to increase our faith may not be what you think. It's not like here's a little drop of faith I'm going to pour more into you. He says, here, how will you deal with this? Will you still trust me? I'm still the same God. I'm still your same Father. I still love you the same. But it's how you deal with it in there, what you think of me and how you work with me at this. How you place your trust in me through this. You see, God chose Joseph to face this trial, to go to the pit through hatred, to be sold to Potiphar through greed, to be cast into prison through lies, and to be raised to the palace through purpose. And for purpose. Ephesians 1 and 11 talks of us being in Christ and saved and blood-washed according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Ah. So everything that we are traveling through is after the counsel of his own will. Absolutely, it's his sovereignty. Yes, man and woman make a mess of things. Yes, man and woman fail at things. But it's his sovereignty that brings us. It's the fiery trials of our faith that cause us to come forth as gold. If we come forth as gold, some get a fiery trial of the faith uh, and we come forth as some sort of watered-down iron ore. that you overcome. The old Puritan Thomas Watson said this about the providence of God. Listen. There are three things in providence. God's foreknowing. God's determining and God's directing all things to their periods and events. Said again. There are three things in providence God's foreknowing, God's determining, and God's directing all things to their periods and to their events. Everything that you are facing, and I'm facing, everything that's coming, we have to believe then that either God is sovereign over it and in control of it, 
even though we see the chaos of it, and say, Lord, well, you know what you're doing in it. Do you know what he wants? He wants us to grow up in Christ in it. So when we can't trace, we trust. When we can't see, we must still believe. And when we can't work it out, we must word it out. And you can't work it out, word it out. What did God tell you, Joseph, in your dream? What did your father Abraham hear whenever the Lord told him that he would make him a father of many nations? Sure, if he wiped you out, Joseph, and he wiped everyone else out, what would happen? What did God say to you about the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down before yours? God gave you that. And when God says it, it has to come to pass. What does God say in his word about you, brother, sister? It's, it's learning, it's hearing, it's understanding, it's receiving God's word and what he tells us through it. And saying right from the start, this is what you've told me, Lord, and I'm holding on to this the whole way to the end because here's why. You're going to have pits and you're going to have potiphers and you're going to have prisons before you get to even a palace, a place where you can, oh, we're through that period. And there's always going to be times like that in our lives, right, till Jesus come. He must word it out when we can't work it out. So first of all, in Genesis 39 and 2, Joseph was a prosperous man, but he was a slave. In 39 and 21, the Lord gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Favor, and he was a, a prisoner. And 39 and verse 23, that which he did, the Lord made it the prosper, but he was still in Pharaoh's house. Genesis 39 and 5 tells us this, but notice what it says. This is a, a little line that's fantastic. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Now, here's something. Most, a lot of people, can't say most people, a lot of people may say, hold on a minute, Lord. I'm here, I'm okay, I'm doing okay in the Egyptian's house here, but I'm still a prisoner. And you're blessing him. Potiphar. You know Potiphar's name means devotion to the sun, S-U-N, or worshiper or belonging to the sun, a sun worshiper, coming from a Babylonian religion again, coming from that old uh, Babylonian sun worship of Nimrod. And, and, and Joseph's now going, hold on, his house is prospering because of me. The fields and the crops in the fields and all that he's putting his hands on are prospering because of me. And Lord, I'm still a prisoner. This is now when we need a change of heart. This is when we need a change of heart. We need to say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you and what you want to do. The thing is, in Genesis 39 and 3, it says, his master saw that the Lord was with him. Even the Egyptian recognized something different about Joseph, even though 
He was a slave and a prisoner. Even though he'd been through so much, his master noticed, the ungodly noticed that God was with him. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. No wonder Potiphar wanted him to stay. No wonder he was saying, look, Joseph, I look after you and I'm going to make you put everything under your hand. I'm not even going to ask about the things of, of, of what you're doing or, and how it's getting on because the Lord's blessing you. Your God is blessing you and look, you just work away. Because he knew he was being blessed for he was there. Do you know, brothers and sisters, you and I with the right attitude and taking the anointing of the Lord and the promises that he gives us in every situation, whether it's at home or at work or wherever it may be, and, the, and amongst all the ungodly, do you realize that you can do wonders among them? You can be a witness and a light to them. God is blessing this man. God is blessing this woman. And this man or woman has something about them. But listen, if we're in work, I mean, I'll not mention the name, but years ago, I was unsaved. And there's this woman worked in our place. And she was a, a Christian woman. And honestly, if she had about her head down, her chin would have hit the ground, she was that long of a face. She was absolutely terrible. Her face was tripping her. Every single day, she was a moan, a gurner, a whinger. All you got out of her was all, 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 every time you talked to her, moan, 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 moan. And I go, a Christian, I'd want to be one. I remember saying that. And her sons came to work in the summer one time and they took one out in the lorry with me. And I said, you're a Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't bad, you know. Seemed to be a bit more jolly. And I says, uh, what is it about this Christian stuff? He says, uh, I will we, you know, well, we, we love the Lord and he tried to tell me about it. And I wasn't interested. I was trying to find out was, are you as bad as your mum? I'm just being honest. And I thought, honestly, all of us used to sit down at the tea room and say, I'm not mentioning the name, but if that's a Christian, that'll put you off. See, Joseph's master, Potiphar, saw there was something with him, something about him. Joseph, in his circumstance, was overcoming it because he had the word and the promise of God. And even though I'm sure he got tired and he maybe had doubts, I don't know. I, we're not told an awful lot about it. But one thing we know is this, that there was something about Joseph that Potiphar seen it and said, you take charge of my stuff, now I'll even ask you. And God is blessing the house of Potiphar. If one recognizes the anointing, Hey, listen, this is talking to Christians. If one recognizes the anointing on a man or a woman, if one recognizes the promise in a man or a woman, if one recognizes God's plan on a man or a woman, don't you stand in their way. Be careful not to be jealous but to recognize it as God's choice. Be careful to recognize it as God's will, God's plan, and his pleasure. And embrace it. And God will bless you for it.
Potiphar saw it and made Joseph an overseer of his house. His brothers hated it. And God, that is the anointing. And God brought them into famine and to the fate of Joseph. And you think about that. His own brethren hated what they saw in Joseph. Hated him. And God says, I have to teach them a lesson. He brought a famine. He raised Joseph up and he brought them to the feet of Joseph. Let's remember that the anointing is a precious thing. The anointing of God and the anointing in a life and a man or a woman is a precious thing and it's something that God gives. Let's not try ever to stand against it. Though changed in condition, Joseph was not changed in spirit. Though stripped of his colorful coat, he was not without his morals and integrity of character. No, he was separated from his father on earth. He still lived in communion with his father in heaven. And no, he was in the house of an idolater. He continued to be a worshiper of the true God. When you're in the house of the idolater, do you become like the idolater? When you're in the house of the idolater, do you become like them? Or do you maintain and retain the worship of Christ? The house that you work in, the people you work with, those whom you sit around the table with for your tea time talks, the house of the idolaters. Do you retain that which Christ has given you, that witness and testimony? Joseph did. I'm closing. In verses 2 and 21, the Lord was with Joseph. In verse 23 says the Lord was with him. And we're told also that Potiphar saw this. Now notice, in the Old Testament, the theme is God for us. In the Old Testament, the theme is God for us. In the Gospels of the New Testament, it's God with us. And in the epistles, or post-cross and Pentecost, it is God in us. God in us. The Lord was for Jacob and his sons, but the Lord was with Joseph. This is a gospel blessing we're speaking of now. Notice, we'll bring it into the new, new covenant, that the Lord is with you, the Lord is for you, is with you, and is within you. Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? In Matthew 28 and verse 20, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the new Colossians 1 and 27, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. God is for you, he is with you, he is within you, no matter your pit, no matter your potiphar, no matter your prison, even in a palace you still feel restrained, he's with you. The Lord was with Joseph. He's with Joseph, his promise was with him in the pit. His prosperity was with him in Potiphar's house. His presence was with him in the prison and his plan was with him 
in the palace. It's the Lord with us who fights our battles. And it's the Lord with us who changes our circumstances. It's the Lord with us who brings us peace. We have God's promise. We have his prosperity. We have his presence and his plan. But that does not mean everything is going to be easy. Jesus never promised us that it would be easy. But he did promise us that he would be with us. And we would be overcomers in him. The peace of God, the peace of God is not the absence of a storm, but the presence of God through the storm. That's peace. The Lord was with Joseph. He had peace in the pit. The Lord was with Joseph. He had assurance as a slave. He was with Joseph. He had security as a servant. The Lord was with Joseph. He had perseverance as a prisoner. And the Lord was with Joseph. He had power as a prime minister in the palace. We can read about the Lord being with many different ones. Time has has flown and has left me. But let me leave you with this quote from Henry Smith. He says, The lawyer can deliver his client from strife. The physician can deliver his patient from sickness. The master can deliver his servant from bondage, but the Lord deliver us from them all. But the Lord deliver us from the Lord from them all. What was it that Nicodemus said to Jesus? John chapter 3 and verse 2. No man can do these things except God be with him. David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. The Lord is with Joseph and he's with you this morning. God bless his word.